Welcome to another episode of Big Risk Energy. I'm your host, Roy Samuel. I'm a serial entrepreneur, having founded multiple businesses, including one that I sold to a gaming company in 2018. I've been an investor for the last five years, and I'm super passionate about mental health and neurodiversity, suffering with severe ADHD and dyslexia myself. And on this show, we talk to an amazing range of people, from academics to actors, entrepreneurs to investors, politicians, musicians, scientists, and everyone in between. And we talk to these people about risk, risks they've taken in their lives, risks they've taken in their careers, when they paid off and when they didn't. And on today's show, I'm blessed to be joined by Georgia St. John Smith. Georgia is an entrepreneur. She's a mindset expert, and we're really pleased to have her today. Thank you so much for coming on the show. You are welcome. Thank you for inviting me. So we were having a really interesting conversation just before the show started about different types of, of human composition. How do you describe it? Human design? Human design, yeah. Okay, so I want to get into that, but you started off taking a very big risk very early on, which I find really interesting because you were incredibly successful in a short-term career in the corporate world and then threw it all away. So yeah. tell us about that. Um, yeah, I think it's, for some reason, I think it's just like in my nature. It taught me so much. Like I, I taught myself how I learned that I could create something incredible and I could make money and I could sign contracts with people and I could do that. Like I was capable of that. So I think what that career taught me was how to be like successful, I guess, what you would say in some elements. But yeah, I didn't want it anymore. I, I got to a stage where I was like, I think this is it. When you're in like a corporate environment and you can see what's working and what isn't, like I had that perspective where I was like, we could do things so much better. And I was saying to people like, we have to change this. Mm. We have to do things differently. But when you've always done something a certain way, in, especially in business, businesses are so prone to saying, oh, we've always done it this way. You know, we know this works. This is what works. This is how you have to do it. That it just like was like in a turmoil within me. I wanted to create this change, but I didn't really have the space to. Like we were talking about boxes earlier mm -hmm. it's like i was in this corporate box and i was like why don't we just open this lid and they were like no 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 we've always had the lid on the box so that really drove me to be like i've got to i've got to i can't stay here and do you see this as an increasing trend because i see more and more young entrepreneurs who are maybe making good money they've got loads of different options open to them but if they're not feeling like they can make impact if they're not feeling like they can really see an identity for themselves within these corporate structures, it doesn't matter actually how much money they might be making because for different psychological types, that's what they need. Are you seeing that as a trend as well? And I think you're also inspiring a lot of people to do that too. Yeah, this is it. I think it's, it's a shame that we feel like the only way we can have that creative freedom is to go off and start on our own. I think in some aspects it's amazing because it can be like your mission. Like I feel like I've got a really strong mission in this world and I do that through my business and that's really the only way that I can do that. Whereas I feel like a lot of other people, you know, they don't necessarily want to be entrepreneurs. Yeah. Not everyone does. And yeah. there's a lot that comes along with it that it doesn't suit everyone. And we don't all have to be that. But the problem is, is especially in big corporations who are saying same, is they're killing themselves mm. because they're trying to grip onto an old way that just doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. And so they're complaining about, you know, business all the time complaining about employee retention and 
Gen, Gen Z generation are quitting so much. Yeah, too right they're quitting. Yeah. They're quitting your organization because it needs to change. Yeah, 100%. If you can't give people a why or a mission, yeah. and in some cases even more than that, you shouldn't have a right to expect they're going to stay, right? So it's, it's a really interesting one. Um, one of the things that uh, I think you know, you're alluding to there, which I've always been fascinated by, mm. is there are so many narratives in life. And really, we can choose any narrative we want. For some people, it's being an entrepreneur. And I totally agree with you. It's not for everyone. It shouldn't be for everyone. You need to be a certain type of psychopathic masochist <laughs> to enjoy being an entrepreneur, for sure. Um, but I think, you know, it, growing up in the UK, especially growing up in London, your default narrative is consumerism, corporate, earn loads of money. And then it takes some mm. people till 40, 50 years old to realize, actually life's not about that there's so much more and you could choose, you know you could decide to fly to ibiza tomorrow and start something which you did so how aware of you were um aware of you were uh you about choosing different narratives and just knowing that well actually i can just do this was that was that a difficult thing was that a scary thing because it wasn't just you know i'm quitting my job and going to work somewhere else i'm packing up and, and starting a new life yeah yeah i think um I was curious, and this is, I think, the key to living a life on your terms, how you want it, is you have to be curious. And I think this world, like you're saying, like consumerism, careers, like we have this narrative, like go to school, go to university, get good grades, get a job, buy a house, marry someone, die. Like it's just like, it's just this whole thing. And it's like, I often, I've been contemplating this a lot recently because I've been like, what is this end game that we're all searching for? And it's actually a really good question to ask myself and for entrepreneurs to ask themselves as well. It's like, what is your end game? Why are you doing this? Because actually, I think what I've realized is there is no end game. Mm. In the end, we die, that's it. Yeah. So then it's like, okay, so with everything that I'm doing, yeah, I can have this big vision for the future, but am I enjoying it? Mm. And that's why it's so sad to see this is what I find so sad and this is what I want to change. It's so sad for me to see like a lot of my friends are entrepreneurs and to see them like grafting away mm -hmm. because they just want to be the next Elon Musk. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, but why? And I, I don't know. And mm -hmm. they don't know. And then when they ask themselves why, it's like this is cutting thing inside of them that is hard to face. Mm -hmm. And this is why I said to you earlier about I hate the word wellness. It's like greenwashing, but wellness washing, like mm -hmm. self-care because it's the strongest thing you can ever do is to look inwards mm -hmm. at that stuff that cuts you up. And like really, it's the stuff that, how we grew up, it's in our childhood, it's the I'm not good enough, it's mm. the stories that we all tell ourselves every single day. And to then look at that is like, that's resilience. Mm. And if you can do that, you've got resilience. And if a workforce can do it, they've got resilience. And then if our whole communities and world could do that, then we're a resilient world that's actually look at things differently. So it's a really, uh, really fascinating point about this motivation, this feeling that people have inside mm -hmm. that I need to do this because of X. And I completely agree with mm -hmm. you that at least 99% of the time, it's because of traumas, because of childhood, yeah. unresolved issues that really drive us to do the things that we want to do. But I know a lot of successful people and spoken to a lot on this show who sometimes they're scared. 
they're scared to do that self, you know, that that internal self-searching and that mm-hmm. that seeking for answers because it's like I know that I have a ton of unresolved issues, mm-hmm. but the formula seems to be working right now. I'm scared about taking my foot off the pedal. I'm scared about well, actually, if I get better. If I actually do this, am I going to be as effective? Am I going to be as as ruthless? So, with with what you're doing now, with getting people to ask those questions, getting people to do that internal searching, you know, how do you approach that? Yeah, it is. It's scary. It's the scariest thing you can do, mm. and I get it all the time. Honestly, I have all. I always have these incredible conversations, like business leaders, entrepreneurs. You know, they're doing incredible stuff. But then when I have a conversation, I look at them, I see them for who they really are. And then they feel like they can open up and I say, look, is this something you want to work on? Like, do you want to like see how far you could get with this stuff and this mindset stuff and see how far you could really go and feel good during this process? And they're like, yeah, I'm like, okay, let's look at it then. And they're like, I'm scared. Mm. Like, okay. But what I do, what really helps me, and it was actually a good friend of mine, it really helps to have like good people around you. But a good friend of mine said to me, he was like, Georgia, every single decision we will ever make will come from either one of two things. And it's either fear mm-hmm. or love. Mm. And so then I ask myself, every decision I make, everything I'm doing, I'm like, am I making this decision? Am I doing this thing out of fear? Or am I doing it out of love? And then I choose. You can choose fear if you want. You can live your whole life choosing fear. And that's okay. Or you can choose love. And that's sometimes harder, mm. but it is stronger and it will create the life that you want, the way you want to feel every day, not the way you think you should. So now when people are, are facing a lot of existentialism about what the future holds, where they stand in life, how do you, because I think as a, a CEO, as a founder, even as like a, a business leader, you're in a position to have a bit more agency, right? You can make decisions in a positive way for yourself because you're empowered to do so. How do you apply those down to people who do feel trapped because they're not a CEO? You know, maybe they're at the the bottom of the corporate ladder. How do you, you know, help, even if not directly, how do these messages help those people? How, How do they take those motivators, that fear and that love and make a change in, in their lives? I think it's by realizing that you do have the power. Mm. You don't have to have a label or a title to have power. And I think this is what it's quite misconstrued in society. We're all powerful. Every single one of us is powerful. And some people know it and they use that for bad. And some people know it and they use it for good. And other mm. people just walk around not knowing how amazingly powerful they are. And so if I can show someone and work with them for them to see how powerful they are, then they know that they are powerful. They can make these decisions. It's stories. You have to break the stories. I actually love that. And I, I do agree with you that anyone is capable of, of anything. Mm. You know, it, it really is self-belief. It is such an important part of people's journey. And, you know, a lot of the time uh, people need to see it to believe it as well. Mm. I think it's why it's so important to elevate different voices, different people, mm. because a lot of people need to have that. For me, I know that this is a weird thing to say, but like every time I've taken a, a really big physical risk mm. I want to see someone else do it first like every time I've bungee jumped yeah. every time I've scuttled, I'm going second 
I don't want to be waiting around because I'm going to bottle it, but I want to go first. So, and I know that's a really like uh, um, uh, primal way of looking at it, that's but I think cool. it is, you know, people do need to hear these stories, as you said, that people do need to shine a light on that path to say that everyone, and I think, I think a lot of businesses are going to really struggle once people wake up to the realization that they can go and do the things they want to do. And now with um, the way that technology has empowered so many people to make money, if it's crypto, if it's building art, if it's online, you know, whatever it might be, I think a lot of traditional businesses are going to suffer. Good. Yeah, absolutely. Fuck them. Can't wait. Yeah. I'm seeing it already and I'm like, yes. Because it's like, you have to, like, you have to see that suffering of these big mm. businesses who are not changing for things to change and mm. to put the power back into the people. <laughs> so funny when I said power to the people. Like, yeah. But it's like, that's what it is. Yeah, totally. I totally agree. And going back to people, mentioned it before, human design. Mm. Tell me a bit about that because I think uh, on this show, obviously we're obsessed with, with risk and, and risk that people mm. take and risk that people don't take. How does the human design theory yeah. play into people's aversion or attraction to risk? Um, I think when you know more about yourself, you can make, you can take risks that feel good without worrying about it. Mm -hmm. I think this is it. I often will make decisions or take risks and I've done it a lot recently. Like I've been really tested to make these decisions and take these risks. But because I know myself and I know how I operate, it doesn't feel like so much of a risk mm -hmm. at all. And this is what it goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning. It's like about being curious. It's like, okay, if you can really know yourself, look inward and know yourself so, so much, then taking these risks is like, I don't know, it feels like a game to me sometimes. Mm. I'm like, hmm, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to, you know, like I've had big moments of, you know, I've been offered a lot of money mm -hmm. in, in investment for my business. And, I, and I've had that moment where I'm like, you know, if I was to look at myself a couple of years ago, I would have said, go on, Georgia, like, take that money. That's so much mm -hmm. money for your business, for your baby, for your dream, like, take it. But then I'm looking at it, I'm like, no, like, this isn't it. This isn't where it should come from. It needs to come from somewhere else. It needs to be more aligned. But I can make that decision and turn down seemingly incredible opportunities mm -hmm. because I know myself so well and human design is one of many ways to know yourself it's like human design meditation introspection journaling all of these things that like I guess people can see it as like oh meditation is a waste of time like mm -hmm. you know well, uh, which I don't believe but like some all. people do you know yeah. a lot of the people I talk to do yeah um, it tends to be quite old school no, even... Really? Well, actually, yeah. I think a lot of people can value meditation and think, oh, yeah, meditation's great. Mm -hmm. but they're like, I can't do it. Mm -hmm. I struggle. No, I can't sit still. Never going to sit still, you know. And it's like, okay, like, if you want to keep choosing that, again, ask yourself, is that fear or love? Mm -hmm. But I think if you know yourself, you take risks, and it doesn't even feel... It doesn't even feel so much like a risk. So tell us about that. So you had, because uh, I, I remember seeing this on, on LinkedIn. I think this is something which got a load of traction. got a lot of positive and negative reactions as well, which I'm, you know, I've had many times myself. But I think that's also one of the risks of putting yourself out there, right, is, you know, people will take from things whatever you want. I, I posted something on LinkedIn about a year ago about my work-life balance, and I got torn apart by people being like, this is irresponsible, this is, you know, you're 
glorifying hustle culture and grind culture and all these things mm. where I was just being very real about actually what this is me this is me exactly that and in the same way that you are being so tell us about that but I'm also interested in you know understanding the the risks of, of you know posting about these things the the consequences yeah. so, so so let's dive into it tell us the story the story of what well I guess the first the investment turning it yeah. down and you know yeah what why you made that decision but then also you know the the risks of posting about it and you know the outcomes of that as well yeah I think actually posting about things and putting yourself out there I think it's really interesting actually because a lot of founders and CEOs like are really and in general people are mm. really like I want to have a personal brand mm-hmm. and it's like okay you could have a personal brand but you need to know what's going to come along yeah. with that because if it works like you want it to work you are going to get positive and negative yeah. because we're surrounded by that so I think I learned that along the way mm-hmm. and a lot of it through that post but also other ones where again like it really helped me I'm like thank god I have this like system and these methods I can use to check in with myself to look after myself Mm -hmm. so if I didn't some of those comments would tear me apart Mm -hmm. and it would make me want to quit and it would make me like self-destruct or turn me into like a depressive phase and I hear so many stories like that so I'm like that's really important very conscious of it's like look after yourself make sure you have a good support network and really protect your energy around that yeah, the actual story, I mean, I'm learning a lot. <laughs> thing you do when you just put yourself out there and you do these things. But yeah, ultimately, it was an investment opportunity that involved quite a lot. It was, I think, part of the big vision for Sancti mm-hmm. and for what I want to do with the retreats. And things happened and in a certain order that when I tell the story, I'm like, whoa like how did Mm. that even happen that's interesting like I was planning this retreat but it was like a last minute one and there was like no villas available and so I'd contacted all these villas in Ibiza and like they were all like no fully booked done but then a few weeks later when I was just about to be like oh maybe maybe we won't be able to do it one of them came back to me and was like oh yeah we've had a cancellation okay so you can do your retreat I was like oh okay great nice so I took it And then I was working in this like co-working space in Ibiza and I was sat there and I didn't want, I didn't even want to go in that day. I don't know why I went to this co-working space, but for some reason I did, even though I didn't want to, I don't have to, but I just did. I thought I just sat myself down, sat in a different place to normal. I was working and I overheard this conversation where this woman was talking quite enthusiastically about Mm -hmm. property in Ibiza. Okay. So my ears pricked up and I was like, hmm, property in Ibiza, this sounds cool. Um... I don't know what came over me, but I stood up, I walked over to her and I was like, oh, hi, like, I heard you were talking about properties in Ibiza. I'm actually looking for a retreat center. Mm -hmm. And she was like, oh, that's cool because I've actually just had one come on the market, a retreat center. This is rare. Like in Ibiza, like you do not get like the perfect villa. Of course. So I was like, oh, you've got a retreat. I was like, great. Okay. She was like, look, it's not on the market, but I'll send you the details. Like keep it hush hush like cool fine got her contact details to that and I was sitting and I was reflecting on it and honestly before that moment I didn't know that that's what I wanted mm-hmm. I didn't even know that I wanted a retreat center until I just like I just came out with yeah. it. I just said it I was I was journaling about it and I was writing and I was like I wonder if it's the same place that I've just booked my retreat for and then a couple of hours later, I didn't even follow up with her and she'd messaged me and she's like, here's the brochure. I literally was like, wow, that's the place. Crazy. That's yeah, it. it's so funny. 
So I started to get things in motion, speaking with investors and being like, okay, how can we make this happen? Mm. Like, it's a golden opportunity, mm. this sort of property, let alone having a business attached to the property. Yeah, of course. Like it, it so was, just as a property investment, it works anyway. Yeah, yeah massively. Mm. Like, even just as a property, like, it was up for like 3.8 million. Like, it would have been like, give us like two or three years. You're talking like seven or eight million. Right. Like, it's so it's a no-brainer. Ridiculous. Really. Yeah. yeah. So I'd got in touch with someone who I'd known before and we're talking about it and they were like, yeah, like, this is wicked. I'm really interested. And I actually only reached out to them for advice. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, you've done investment for your business. Like, can you help me out? And then they were like, oh, actually, like, I'd be really interested. Okay. So things started to align. <clears throat> and then it got to a point where it was like things were really happening. Mm -hmm. This was happening. And we actually got to the stage where we put the offer in. Mm -hmm. And there was also investment to go into my business to Sancti as well. Yeah. So it was like a two-part. Yeah, yeah, understood. And we'd spent a lot of time like talking about how this is all going to work. And we actually had a good friendship as well. Um, so I'd like invited them to Ibiza yeah. to like see the island. Because like, for me, it's like really important that whoever is a part of the business like really gets it mm -hmm. and really sees like what we're doing here mm -hmm. is pretty magic. Um, so that happened and it was great, but then things started to turn and it was for me quite scary because I was like, oh, this isn't feeling good anymore. Right. It so turned, knew, as soon as you knew, you knew. It turned from a, this is so exciting to a, this is all on the table now. It's all available. Why do I not feel like it's a fuck yes? Mm. And I have this thing. I'm like, if it's not a fuck yes, it's a fuck no. Okay. And so I was like, okay. So I was meditating on this and I was asking myself, like, why is this a no? Why is it? And everything that I was doing, like, I like to work with Oracle cards as mm -hmm. well. I'm like pulling the I no. I don't cards. know what those are. I've got some in my bag. We can do oh, them. Okay, later. cool. That's yeah. okay. <laughs> I pulled one and I was like, no. And like, I was just like, ah, oh, every single thing was telling me no. That's weird. Uh, and then it actually happened. So there was, there was some signs, like, ultimately, I find this topic very challenging in business as a woman in business yeah. where um, men can overstep the line. Mm. And ultimately it was just, it was just a case of inappropriateness, like right. getting too close with people who were close to me, right. um, but multiple. And mm -hmm. a lot of people around me were saying like, I'm feeling a bit uncomfortable about mm. this. Um, and then something happened that was like, okay, there's absolutely no way I'm taking really? this money now. Wow. Um, which was a real shame. Like I, re I still really like the person. Uh -huh. I think they've got a lot to work on within themselves, and I understand. Like, I understand that, but at the same time, I was like, I can't have this in my business. Hundred percent. hundred percent. Wow. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, an amazing story, and it's. Um, I think it just goes to show how much intuition plays a part mm. in the way that we do things. It sounds like as soon as even there was an inkling there, you knew, as you said, it was a fuck no. And I think it's um, something which you can't discount is how much mm. that, uh, that intuition, that internal feeling, that you know, picking up on things, even if they're subconsciously mm. at an early stage and it starts to build a picture and you, and you realize these things. But that must have yeah. been incredibly tough. It must have been incredibly challenging. So you're, on, you're on the cusp of everything that you want <laughs> yeah, and it's gone. So how do you, you know, huge, huge risk in turning it down although obviously yeah. the right decision considering yeah. it was someone being you know inappropriate and someone who, who's doing the wrong thing so obviously the right yeah. decision but how did you pick yourself back up from that I get again like I just went back to my methods like, and this is why I'm so grateful to have these things in my life because 
no matter what happens, like, I know that I'm going to be all right, mm. no matter what. And I actually asked my dad, I was like, dad, what do you like the most about me? And he was like, your resilience and how you, you can overcome things. Yeah. And I'm like, I was like, oh, that's cool. It's a good answer. But, it, <laughs> but it's like, it's something I didn't really realize until I asked him about it. Yeah. But I spent a lot of time, I took a step back. Mm. And I actually still, I'm in a phase now where I'm like preparing for investment again. Okay. But I actually was like, I'm not even going to think about investment for a long time. I just want to sit here. I want to be in this. And I want to be like, really like gather myself again and be mm. like, okay, like this is why I'm doing this. And this is what I'm going for next. So meditation helped. Yeah. Taking a step back. I came to England actually, spent some time with my family, like yeah. went back and now I'm like fire again. Yeah. That's just what happens. Like, yeah. I think people are so scared of setbacks. Yeah, absolutely. But setbacks are like the best things ever, mm. I think. I really do. Well, it's, you know, it, it's how we learn, right? Is when things go wrong. And I had a similar yeah. situation in my first business. I mean, very, uh, probably very different in the way that it, it transpired. But I had um, someone who's a, a very, very well-known investor, but also, to be honest, known for being a shark. Okay. So it was, it was a bit easier for me because there was no like... There was never a, a full sense of all oh, this could be, but we had a huge offer of money on the table from someone who owns uh, a lot of big retail brands uh, and known for not necessarily being the the best person to work with. So it was a bit of a, a bit of an easier choice to to turn it down. But yeah. you know, in the tough moments where it's like, shit, I could have really done with that. You know, I could have really done with that acceleration. It is difficult, but I think those are the things that add to resilience, and yeah. especially with what you do. You know, having. Uh, a bank of experiences where actually people who are in uh, the position where they're going on these retreats, you know, they'll, they really relate to that as well. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes that, that the ups and downs of the journey probably really help as well with what you're doing. Yeah. I almost feel like it's like this superpower. Like I can just, I can go through stuff, but I just know that I'm always able to, to deal with it like yeah. in a good way, in a healthy way that feels good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. And you spoke about fear of failure. Mm. How much do you think that impacts people that you speak to in your retreats? Because for me, I think um, you get two types of CEOs, two types of leaders that I've seen. There's the delusional self-belief <laughs> and then there is the self-sabotage. Yeah. Things are going too well. This shouldn't be going too well. I don't deserve it. And, you know, how often do you see that? And, and what, you know, do you see other types of, of personalities emerging? Yeah, and you see both. I, I see people who have both as well. Oh, well, they have the same. And you can play, you can, you can flip between the two. Interesting. Sometimes, like, and I, I would admit that I'm probably a bit like that sometimes mm. as well. Like, sometimes I'm, like, amazing, like, delusional yeah, level yeah, of yeah, self-belief. Yeah. And then other times it's, like, it's actually, like, self-sabotage, like you say. And it's, I think what the most important thing is being able to like find your balance between those mm. two because we're humans we're, we're built to experience a range of emotions and so we're built to be like sometimes really confident and sometimes not but it's actually being able to ride that wave mm. and I guess take the step back to look at the wave and be like oh I'm on that part of the wave now and view and have that perspective mm. so yeah I do I get a lot of people who Honestly, more often than not, the people who I think maybe you speak to and you think, oh, you've got a delusion of self-belief, when I talk to them, 
I see self-sabotage. That's really interesting. Yeah. That's really interesting. But it goes back to self-awareness again then. You know, are yeah. you on the on the surge or the, or the, or the slip, as it were? So mm. I think that's um, it's a really, really valuable point. And how, when you were going through that experience with the, uh, the investor, obviously at the very early stage of feeling like something was wrong, mm. do you ever think, was it ever a thought of, shit is... Am I about to get everything I want and therefore I don't want it? You know, is, was there ever that level of thought? Or was it was it very, very clear that actually this person was just the wrong person? Yeah, no, I want what I want. Yeah, fine. <laughs> no, it was. Yeah. But it's, it's an interesting one because that's called the success paradox. Okay. I think on. a lot of people go through that. And I have mm. been through that in the past where it's like, it's a paradox of like, okay, this is what I see success to be. And then when you're really close to it, like, it's like, I see it as you're tested. Mm-hmm by like whatever you believe in. Like for me, I would call it the universe. Like the universe is gonna test you. When you're super close to your goal, you're gonna be really, mm. really tested. And actually it's also to do with how your brain operates. So when you, so your brain works in, your beliefs are built through neuropathways. Yep. Right? And then when you're like, okay, I don't wanna believe in this pathway that's like fear and fear of failure anymore. So when you start to remove the fear of failure pathway and replace it with something else, failure is good and it allows me to learn that's an amazing thing and you can be like there's so much hope there's so much hope there's so much hope but then just as that new pathway is about to form in your brain your brain is like are you sure should we go back to this one are you sure and things will happen that like really really test you on that and it's like being on the cusp of something and then you have to you have to be so aware of that because otherwise you could just fall back but that's the part so often when I'm talking to people and they're like super like scared of something or like oh i really don't know like i'm like you're you know you're so close to achieving something right now yeah you're so close to changing what you want to change that's that's fascinating i think this is um really part of the science behind meditation as well Mm. right creating new synergies and creating new neural pathways in the brain so do you think that's why meditation plays such an important part in the way that we are able to retrain our brains and get out of that fear of failure thing into actual drive for success yeah massively like it can be amazing one in terms of like how you feel Mm -hmm. but i think there's a bit of a misconception out there it's like oh meditation like oh yeah i want to be calm but actually there's so much more that you can get from meditation Mm -hmm. I think there's a reason why it's not spoken about because people use it as their superpower. Mm. It is used and we don't always hear about it. And sometimes every now and again, we'll listen to Will Smith say that he meditates and we'll be like, oh wait, Will Smith meditates. But we don't really get what's underneath that. But what's underneath that is his layers. So it starts off with like, yeah, no way you're gonna be able to access like the pure intelligence within if you're like stressed or whatever. So you start off with like, oh God, thoughts are in my mind. This is so annoying. Why the fuck am I trying to meditate? And some people never leave that layer one. I've struggled with layer one many, many times. Yeah, (laughs) me too, me too. But then you get underneath that to this state of, oh, I have a new perspective. I'm starting to understand things a bit more. Then you get underneath that and like, this is where the thoughts don't necessarily go, but like you don't really notice them. It's like your thoughts are over there and you're somewhere else. And within this space is like, honestly, pure genius, Mm. pure genius, pure intelligence that we all have within us and we're not accessing. And I find find that really, really fascinating because I, you know, if we look at um, 
I think it's uh, Freud, you know, the the ego, the superego, and the mm, id, right? It's getting yeah, through those. It. It's getting through those layers, right? Because so much of what we do, how we think, how we act, is determined by that superego, by those pressures from parents, from coworkers, from peers, mm. from social media, whatever it might be, and removing that noise. And it's it's interesting. A lot of entrepreneurs I know, for example. And this is about to cheapen the whole thing, but we'll take Xanax because mm-hmm. they actually find that, for example, taking Xanax is actually removing lots of that superego and they're no mm-hmm. longer caring. And I'm not saying that's a healthy thing to do. I'm not advising anyone to take loads of Xanax, but uh, just disclaimer that. But, you know, it's, it's interesting because the things that you're talking about are similar to what they've said to me about, mm-hmm. well, actually, once you can remove that anxiety, yeah. remove the running thoughts, you can get into that place where you really understand how you feel. But maybe uh, um, meditation is nature's Xanax. Maybe that's really good new marketing for for meditation. That's really cool. Yeah, that's really interesting. I've not actually heard of that before. Yeah, I think it's probably quite niche. To it's be cool. Fair. It's cool because it's like it's this realization of like outside outside noise taking away from your focus. Yeah. Um, but then once you realize that you have that within you and it's mm. not external, like you can go to all th- all sorts of things to get external gain. Yeah, you can do that your whole life, but until it's internal, the power is never within you. The power's mm-hmm. with the Xanax. Like mm-hmm. you have yes. that power, and there's actually more, I believe, that you can access through doing it yourself in this way than through anything external. But yeah. that's really interesting. No, but it, it makes total sense, and you are 100 right because then it's not coming from inside. It is an external source, and it might have. Yeah. You know, short term versus long term, right? It might have short term yeah, yeah. benefits of like a reducing anxiety, but it's not going to give you that long term mm. skill set, ability to look inside yourself and really understand those things. So, mm. yeah, I think that makes sort of sense. Okay, so there's a few questions I want to ask you. Um, not quick fire or anything, but first question is what is the biggest risk you've ever taken and what was the outcome? I guess it's hard to decipher which one. I've like got my risks in my mind and I'm toying between like obviously leaving the corporate career yeah. for something else or the move to Ibiza. And it's a weird one because like I said to you, like it doesn't always feel like so much of a risk to me, mm-hmm. even though it is. So I would probably say the move to Ibiza. I think a, lo- a part of me was like, So my whole mission in life is like, you can get what you want, you can create the business, the life that you want, whilst you feel good and enjoy your life in the process. That's that, that for me is the whole point. It's like, enjoy the sound of the sea, watch the sunset, spend the time with the people who, who you care about, have it all. Yeah. It's like the have it all vibe. Yeah. And I think by moving to Ibiza, I was like walking my own walk. And my fear of that, The risk in that was like, well, what if it doesn't work? Like, it could just not work. And it's something that I'm still, I guess, proving to myself every day. Mm. So I thought, oh, you know, there's a lot of distractions in Ibiza. Will I become way too zen and hippie and not care about business anymore? <laughs> Or will I, like, go on the party scene and yeah. fall off the edge? Like, there's de- definitely a lot, of, a lot of traps in Ibiza, yeah. yeah. But I really, like, it's how it's paid off by taking that risk is like, I've seen, I'm like, oh, actually no, in the peak of summer, I'm like 
on it. I'm on fire. Like I'm doing mm -hmm. my thing. And it actually really helps me to be able to be like, you know what? I'm going to go to the beach tomorrow morning, yeah. do a yoga practice, then start my day. Like that for me is life. Like yeah. that gives me life. It's like sunrise, it's sunset. Yeah. It's like those little things. So that's how it's paid off. It's like, it's brought a lot of self-belief yeah. in my own mission. I, I actually find that um, actually really incredible because one of the things that I really ascribe to is um, absurdism, which is a strand of existentialism, which basically says, okay, it's very difficult to know if anything means anything, right? Mm. Like we said before, what's the end game? You know, it's very difficult to actually arrive at that. Yeah. And absurdism is the idea that, well, if, if nothing can certainly mean anything, uh -huh. there's two ways you can go. You can either be like, well, fuck it, because if nothing means anything, what's the point of doing anything, mm -hmm. which is more nihilism. And then absurdism is saying, well, if nothing means anything, let's enjoy it. Yeah. Let's bring peace. Let's bring, you know, joy. Let's lift each other up. And it doesn't necessarily yeah. mean that there's like an end game here, but it mm. sounds like you're doing that with the life you're living, which is, uh, yeah. you know, which is, is super impressive. And I think there's a lot of people who will be very jealous, possibly myself included, of, you know, being able to say, do you know what? Actually, I'm going to make the most of life in terms of enjoying it day to day and feeling fulfilled day to day rather than working to an end game, which may or may not be there. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's the thing. And people will say to me, like, oh, you're, you're so lucky. And it's like, yes, I am lucky. Like, I have a certain amount of privilege that I'm really, like, I'm very, very lucky, and I really see that. But then there's another part of me that's like, if you have the ability to say that to mm -hmm. me, like, you have a lot within your toolbox and your own privilege, like, you can do this too. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. What's your version of that, you know? Yeah. Not everyone's version of that life, that absurdism life of like just enjoying it. Mm -hmm. Almost like living life like it's a bonus life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Like 100%. that is like within your capability. Yeah. So it's like bringing the power back to yourself. And I always say like people are, people are mirrors. Like what you see in someone else is within you. So if you see that as inspiring within me, that's within you. Mm -hmm. You've got that ability to do that yourself. Mm-hmm. Love it. I think that's spot on. Mm. So my next question for you is, is there anything in life that you wish you'd done differently? Oh, this one's mm. a cool one. <laughs> I wish that I had learned this stuff earlier, even though a lot of people are like, you're so young to learn all this stuff. Like, I wish, I really wish I'd got into meditation and yoga earlier in my life. Um, a lot of the time I'm like, oh, I wish I started a business in uni. Cause like, you got so much time at uni. Yeah. Like I did, I did a lot of like businesses type things at uni, but. I founded my first business during uni. Did it you? It was yeah. definitely the right decision. I can't tell yeah, you. Yeah, 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 this is the thing. And then another one is like, really like standing up for myself in the workplace mm -hmm. and in the corporate world. Mm -hmm. I wish I'd have had it within me to yeah, to stand up for myself and to, to speak my truth from a really strong, centered place mm -hmm. rather than letting it get on top of me. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. And what are you proudest of? Oh, wow, what am I proudest of? I'm proudest of the people I have in my life. I think That's they're a good answer. reflection of how far I've come. I'm surrounded by some really awesome people doing really awesome things who... I guess you could say live this absurdism lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Like they're breaking up the rule book, doing it differently. Yeah. So with that in mind, and I guess you get a ton of exposure to 
people who are at really interesting stages of life. What do you think it takes to be successful? I think it takes the ability for you to ask yourself, what is success to me? That's, that's what it takes. So if you don't know your own definition of success, it, will n- it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. I think there's, like we were talking about the narrative earlier, mm-hmm. you know, that narrative is someone's version of success. But not everyone. It's not one size fits all. Mm. So I think if you want to be successful, you have to spend the time on, okay, what are my values? What's important to me? How do I want to show up in the world? How do I want my relationships in my life to be? That is a big indicator, I think. It's a great answer. Who's going to be there, like at your deathbed? Who's going to be there? What are you going to regret? Like you have to think of these things because we think we have all the time in the world, but Mm. like a bus could hit me tomorrow. Yeah. And thank God we've recorded this already. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's a great answer because, you know, a lot of people um, take their definition of success and apply it everywhere. But I agree. You know, it's all subjective. Yeah, Yeah. they do, right? It's all subjective. It's all subjective. So my last question for you is... 15-year-old Georgia walks in right now. Right. What are you telling her? What am I telling her? Walk your own way. You have everything within you to do whatever you want in this, in this life. And stand up for yourself. Amazing. That's great. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you. Nice one.